Episode 14, The Paul George Show welcomes Jim Beckman. My dad had been paralyzed for the first nine, nine and a half years, years of my life and was pretty dramatically healed and could walk again as a nine and a half, ten-year-old. That was pretty convincing evidence. It kind of changed, changed everything in, in my life. The Paul George Show! Welcome to The Paul George Show, discussing discipleship, impact ministries, and the Catholic Yoda. A co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you today. And back in studio, the world-famous Casey Traha. Good afternoon, Paul. What's up? The Casey man. Casey, keep trying. It's, we'll get there. <laughs> Episode 100. We'll, we'll have a good we'll nickname. We'll finally get a nickname. Hey, I actually kind of missed you last week, man. Um, I know you went on a trip, but uh, so did I. I got you a gift. No, you didn't. I did. You dig it in your pocket. What did you get me? Where'd you go? I got you a gift right here, man. No way. Yeah. This is, it says Brew City Catholic, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Yeah, so is this is a beer glass from Milwaukee. I'm going to cry on air, Paul. Yeah, so your favorite beer goes in there, and you could freeze it. But anyway, th- this is yours, man, Brew City. Nice. I don't have, uh, you know, the right beer drinking glass. I just... I have red solo cups in my house, so this is. I think the key to a beer drinking glass is that the glass fits exactly one beer. Okay, now follow me here. Okay, that like that's the size. Like if you have a whiskey glass, it's shorter, and you put so the beer drinking glass is like the size of a beer. Okay, and so fun fact: the size of a beer, quote unquote, is basically the amount of beer that it takes to have that uh what is four to six percent alcohol content whatever it is so this beer glass basically equals a shot glass of whiskey i guess yeah and then a wine glass is they're all the same exact alcohol content it just takes a lot more beer than whiskey right so it's a it's a standard it's a measurement stick for getting drunk (laughs) or not (laughs) or not getting or not getting drunk yeah this is awesome paul thanks yeah or not getting drunk yeah so you know, if you go look at Christmas trees, they have measuring sticks. I don't know if you've ever been to a Christmas tree farm or anything. So you're like, how tall is this tree? And like some guy walks with like this long like PVC pipe pole with markers. But if I stand up and I lift my hand straight up. I was up, about to say that. You could be that. It's eight feet, no matter what. <laughs> so I, I can just, if you look at me in like a Christmas tree farm thing, tent or whatever, uh-huh. I'm usually standing up with my hands up measuring <laughs> measuring trees. So I'm about to blow your mind here, okay. right? So that's your standard. You know, we the, the body is made for different standards like that. So your forearm mm-hmm. is the same as my forearm, is the same as a four-foot lady's forearm. It's all around, I want to say 18 inches. I'm not positive on the actual size. But what it is is that they use that to measure fabric. All those fabric ladies, they go from their fingertips to their elbow, and they do it like three times, and they're like, yeah, that's like three and a half feet, or whatever it actually is. Mm. But as tall as you are, you have the same forearm length as everybody else. You know what? What? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. I just thought it was cool. Man, I love this time of year, actually. It's wintertime. You know, it's it's Advent and Christmas season. Um and I'm excited for the show today. I got a great guest coming on later on, Casey, a guy named Jake Beckman from Denver, Colorado. And um, it, he's going to blow your mind. So I'm excited about that. But, uh, you know, this time of year, um, it, it, it's time for us to wake up. And I was uh, reading on the, on the Internet, the intrawebs, 
because you can do that. WWW. Yeah, my my senior in college was the first year the internet came out. Goodness. Pope Francis is is like I don't he I don't know if he challenges you much at all, but he is is inviting prisoners to go to mass with him at St. Peter's over over Advent. He's not going. He's not praying for prisoners. Well, I'm sure he is. He's not going to visit him. He's he's going and he's taking them with him to mass. That's cool. I, I mean, I just like that because I think that speaks volumes of what we we should be doing with our lives, particularly the season of Advent, which is like it should be a jolt for us to wake up, mm-hmm. right? And I know we're surrounded by all the commercialism, Christmas, all these things, and and certainly you know there's some good in all that, but Advent really speaks to us to to wake up so anyway it's the new year this is new year and this show is all going to be about waking up to what god wants for us this new year because because as catholics we celebrate the new year with advent uh so anyway did you see the speaking of beer glasses um this couple got married uh in a grocery store okay why okay so this is this is where they met so they met in a grocery store and so then, then they decided that what better place to get married than in a grocery store? Mm, I think that was um, a romantic gesture facade for just not wanting to pay for a chapel. The guy was like, you know what, how I'm going to save money on this one? I'm going to convince her to get married. Okay, so if you, if you could get... Now, now the reason I bring this up, because there's double meaning. So for us as Christians, as a Catholic, marriage is sacred. Uh, and so we're, we're supposed to get married in a church, you know, mm-hmm. um, before the altar, uh, the, the beauty, the sacredness of it. And you can, in special circumstances, very get, special, very special circumstances. You can read about this, get permission to not get married in a church, but it's very rare. It's very rare. Uh, and which I love that, that that's where we're supposed to get married, like mm-hmm. right, right there. But anyway, play around with me here. If you could get married in a grocery store, what aisle would you get married in? Okay, here we go. This is a good question. You come up with some fun ones, but this is this takes the cake. I'd get married next to the cakes. Really? You have a sweet tooth. Yeah, and because look, they got the most. They usually have the most room near the bakery. Right. Like they kind of have that. So you just you know push all the cakes to the wall. Push <laughs> all the cakes to the wall. I like that. This is hilarious. So come on, I know you, you come prepared with an answer. What aisle do you I get really, married in? Uh, well, I would the meat aisle. <laughs> the, I would get married in the meat aisle. I'd have barbecue pits cooking meat during the, during the grocery store wedding. <laughs> and instead of feeding each other the piece of cake like you do in the wedding, like but the meat aisle tips. would make an L shape into the beer aisle, <laughs> and I would get married like in the in the corner of that l shape that is the most central louisiana wedding i've ever heard of (laughs) (laughs) i mean wouldn't that be awesome uh so anyway i was also reading that there's this tradition in um in sweden where they um they make a 40 i think it's like a i don't know it's like a 50 year old tradition where they make a 45 foot tall goat in pine straw to celebrate the beginning of Christmas. Look, I know I know the internet's a crazy place. Okay, but Paul, you spend some time with some weird stuff. But this is a weird tradition. But but here's what got me the most is that uh, speaking of prisoners, 
Um, I'm tying no it all way. together. No way. <laughs> yeah, there's the, the, there were a couple of guys who set the thing on fire. A 45 feet um, goat on, um, yeah, they set it on fire. Was this an act of protest? Like, forget this tradition, blaze it up. I mean, what guy wouldn't be staring at a 45-foot tall pine straw goat? It's got to be immaculate. And think to themselves, I would love to light that thing on fire. Well, yeah, I know, right? Like, just the power of maniac in all of us just... So what I'm thinking of is sending Pope Francis the link and seeing if he would go visit these guys who burnt down. (laughs) Because they're inevitably in prison or what? Yeah, they got caught, man. They're, They're considered arsonists. And, you know, this would be like going you know, burn, I don't know, like a Mardi Gras float. This is like a big deal, mm-hmm. okay, uh, in their tradition. So here's a question for you. <laughs> this is a funny one. Uh, if, uh, if you would just happen to go to prison for doing one thing, what would it be? Wait, so like... Now, so you it, wouldn't because you're not, but I'm just saying like if... Oh, if, like if I knew... So the, the scenario is, look, you have to go to prison. You just gotta figure out a way to go. Yeah, like if go out in a blaze of glory, like right. burning down a forty right. foot goat. I have no clue. I, I think I would, you know. Okay, I think I would want to have buried treasure somewhere, like a pirate. Okay. So just whether it's a jewelry store or whatever. Now look, y'all. I'm not about to go rob a jewelry store. No, this is all hypothetical I'm just saying, situation. like if it was hypothetical. I know what but mine yeah. would be. It would speeding. Oh, hands down. Like if if I could go like two hundred down the interstate. And just not get caught. That would be awesome. A blaze of glory. Yeah. Mine would be speeding. I'd be going to go to prison for speeding. But here's here's the here's the great part about that is that if I go to prison, Pope Francis can come visit me. That might Why be my you, only chance to see the Pope. Or look, Bishop Destel will go visit you. That's our, true. Our, our ordinary here in Lafayette, he um I forgot what the occasion was, but recently he was in the, the prisons yeah. doing his ministry there. Yeah, so anyway, great show. We're going to talk about how to not go to prison, actually how to awaken our faith uh, during this season, how to come alive, and I've got a great interview with Jim Beckman next couple of segments. So wake up this season of Advent and Christmas and and begin to think now, what is it that God wants you to do different during this season? You know, I know we often get in this this routine, you know, tradition uh, with our family and buying gifts and all these things, but what does God want you to do? Pope Francis, go and visit prisoners and taking them to mass. And I know we can't always do something that radical, but we could certainly give. Uh, We could certainly reach out to people that, uh, you know, we haven't seen in a while. We can certainly feed the homeless. We can certainly buy a gift for a poor family. You know, we, we can go to mass more during the week. We could certainly pray more. And this is the challenge that that I'm not only giving to everyone else, Casey, but to myself is to, is to wake up during this season and enter into what God really wants you to do. So think about it now. What is it that God wants you to do this Advent and Christmas that will wake your faith up, Casey? It's a it's a pleasure to have you back, man. Maybe we can use that that beer glass sooner than later. <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah, I keep telling you we can't drink in the studio, but. Also, hint, hint, we may have a new location for the actual um, new American year, and we might be able to drink there. Like in the studio? Like moving the studio? Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, after the show. It can always be a toast after the show. Look, there's something special about the clink of glasses on air. Absolutely. So anyway, thanks for listening in. Um, Great to be with you today. This is the Paul George Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Today we welcome our guest, Jim Beckman. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you today in studio with Casey Trahan producing the show. Thanks, Casey. Welcome back. Glad you're back. And uh, have our guest on today, Jim Beckman from Denver, Colorado. Jim, how you doing, man? Good morning. Doing great today. Yeah, it's uh, it's early out there in Colorado. Um, and look, it's winter here in Louisiana. It got down to 40 degrees. <laughs> You like Are that? you guys gonna get a white a white Christmas this year? Yeah, the only white Christmas we get is um, I don't know. You get like spray paint your yard white or something like that. I think I've had one in my history here down here in Louisiana a white Christmas. There, there's a new website I just discovered the other day that tells you the percentage chance you have of a white Christmas. Really? You can you can go online and it'll actually give you percentage. I think Denver is forty six percent something like that. Okay. Is this like the ground? Well, Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana is probably zero. <laughs> probably zero. Is this like the groundhog thing? If you see the groundhog shadow or whatever, but you actually lived in Louisiana for a few years. You had a stint down here, didn't you? I did. I did. Yeah, I lived in Alec, Alexandria. Alexandria. Yeah. Yeah. What year was that? Oh gosh, that would have been uh, ninety four, ninety five. Gotcha. Right, so- uh, right before I was married, actually. Yeah, so it's been a long time. If uh, you're listening, I, Jim Beckman from Denver, Colorado, he runs the Impact Center. It's impactcenter.com. It's a ministry that ministers to ministers, trains people in discipleship, evangelization, and leadership in the church. Jim, you've been doing ministry for, for many, many years. And before we get into uh, the great work of the Impact Center, what Give me a background story of your conversion and, and how you got into full-time ministry work as a, as a lay person. Yeah. Uh, you, you're, you're saying I've been in it for many years. It's, uh, I had a funny experience last year where another Franciscan alumni said, introduced me to a group of uh, people saying that I was the Yoda of Catholic youth ministry. You kind of <laughs> are. Uh, that's how long I've been around. I, I'm actually getting called things like Yoda these days. Yeah, I once called uh, uh, someone a fossil on accident, so I won't do that to you today. <laughs> but my, my early conversion actually happened when I was really young. I was uh, just before I was 10 years old, had a, had a very powerful experience of the reality of God in my life. My, my dad had been paralyzed for the first nine, nine and a half years, years of my life and was pretty dramatically healed and could walk again, and uh, as, as a nine-and-a-half, ten-year-old, that was pretty convincing evidence for hmm. me. Uh, kind of changed changed everything in, in my life. And I, uh, as, as I got older, you know, I, I, I obviously vacillated and drifted in my teen years a little bit, uh, more because I just wasn't in an environment where I was surrounded by other people who could really help me grow. Um, and I, I almost left the church in, in high school because I got very involved in the Mid-American Baptist Church and had some good friends that were in a youth ministry and a Bible study that I started going to in high school, hmm. uh, but ended up landing at Franciscan University out in Steubenville, and I, I think my conversion was cemented there, if that makes sense, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and rooted, rooted in, into my Catholic faith in a, in a, in a way that it's just kind of set, set me up from there for the rest of my life for what I do today. Yeah, absolutely. So you, around nine or 10 years old, your dad's paralyzed for, you know, that first part of your life. And all of a sudden 
you see him healed and, and then he's not paralyzed anymore. Like, like this was a, like a legit healing. Yeah. 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 He, he was paralyzed from the neck down Golly. O- over those nine years, had 33 major surgeries. Uh, most of which were trying to deal with the back injury that he suffered uh, and trying to, you know, at first we're trying to correct, but eventually they, they just were trying to make him comfortable. So, so some of his surgeries were severing nerves and cutting, you know, because he was paralyzed on the right side of his body, but not the left side of his body. Uh, and so they, they were, they, when they had kind of removed all hope that he would ever walk again, they just wanted to take away the pain that he was experiencing. So uh, he had he had lung cancer. He smoked he smoked a lot, so he, he got lung cancer. They removed uh, one of his lungs and severed brain nerves with brain surgery. And so he he went through all of those things. But when he was healed, everything was restored. Are you kidding me? The the lung was back in his body. <laughs> all of the nerves that had been severed were were all restored. He had spider cancer of the spine. Uh, from this injury, and it started eating up the lower four vertebrae of his back. But they, they just weren't there, and all of those were back in his body. Yes, I mean it, it was a it was a very miraculous, complete healing. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's and, crazy! Your that, dad grew a lung, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in bed, paralyzed, ha- had one lung, grew a lung, and got up and walked. Oh yeah. Like, was your family yeah, we, just completely like? blown away like this had to be something obviously that led to your conversion certainly but whoa this is this is stuff that we don't hear often anymore you know yeah oh yeah i mean complete completely blown away and, and in some ways not sure how to react to it if, if, if that makes sense like it, yeah. it was very challenging to figure out somebody who had been completely removed from our life and in a nursing home that we would visit, you know, sometimes not even every weekend, depending upon what was going on. Now all of a sudden was back in our life and back in the house. And uh, my mom had been the, the one that had, had been the primary breadwinner for the family and taking care of all that stuff. So she was, uh, you know, there's just some role reversal that had to happen. There was a lot of adjustments right. that had to, had to happen, you know, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was completely healed and, we we, had, we were living in Phoenix at the time that he was healed. It was just before my 10th birthday. And we ended up moving that next year back to Iowa, where where my dad grew up. And he was working on the farm and throwing bales of hay around on a hay rack and driving tractors. And he, he was completely healed. Man, this is crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love stuff like this because, I, you know, you know, as we begin this new liturgical year, I think it's challenging for us as Christians, as Catholics, to believe that God can do great things, you know, in our lives and in the lives of people. And you read stories of of the church around the world, particularly in third world countries in Africa, where you see God moving in powerful ways that, you know, there's there's healings taking place, there, there's miraculous things. And, and not that that's everything that we should look for, but I think oftentimes, I don't know about you, Jim, but when I look in our American culture in particular— I don't see a lot of people or ministries or circles out there that are um, that really believe that, that God can move like this anymore. So hearing that story just reminds me, man, God can do things that we we can't. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and I, I think it's very scriptural. If you look at the way Jesus interacted in, in his three years of ministry, he he would obviously speak to people and would teach the truth, but he would always back up what he was teaching by demonstrating the power that he had. Uh, this is it's a fundamental reality of uh, of who we are as Christians and the power that God has in the world for uh, for the sake of evangelization, right? Like he, right? God wants to demonstrate who He is, and and hmm. part of that is show, showing the power that He has to heal and to restore. So this is the beginning of your story, this healing. You, you know, you say you kind of fell away a little bit, but you got involved in Protestant group, reading scripture, but you landed at a Catholic college that really cemented right. your, your faith and your Catholic faith. And, um, you know, but w- was it ever your intention to go into full-time Catholic lay ministry? Because that really wasn't a thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. I, I had experiences during my time at Steubenville that— uh, just made it very, very clear to me. Uh, actually, what I felt like at first, I thought I was supposed to be a priest, and so I, I spent a number of years, you know, in and out of discernment houses and uh, pre-seminary experiences, because uh, I, I, I was really convinced that that was what my calling was. Because what God was revealing to me was, I want you to be a missionary, hmm. and it was it was later uh, in that that I ended up realizing that. To, to be a missionary didn't mean that I needed to be a priest, but that God was calling me in, into ministry. Uh, so, you know, years later when I ended up proposing to my wife, like that was one of the things that I had as a part of the proposal. Like, um, I don't know exactly what it means that I'm going to be a missionary, but if I, if I was called to go to Africa or called to go to South America, you'd have to go with me if you wanted to marry me. <laughs> uh, she said, yeah. And so you, you you've got to understand that I'm called to be a missionary and I don't know exactly what that calling means, but uh, as God gives me more clarity about that in, in my life, uh, I, I need you to, to, to be aware of that, but to feel called into the same calling because the lifestyle of a missionary is just going to be different, you know? Yeah. And uh, which a lot, a lot of prayer, her, but she obviously ended up just, deciding that she was called into a similar, similar calling. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, it's not, it's not something that was a, uh, a typical thing, particularly back then. Uh, but, uh, what, what, what a way to live, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, man, this is crazy. And, you know, we're all called to be missionaries through our baptism and, and, you know, you're doing this full time for your work, but even if you're a worker, and you have a normal job or whatever you do, we're all called to be missionary in our faith. And one of the things I want to get into in the next segment is, you know, through your work with the Impact Center on how you really train people and grow people, lay people into into really gaining the traction they need to evangelize and, and help impact the world, whether that's, you know, in full-time work or just in, in the small little circle that you're in around you. So we'll be right back with Jim Beckman. Denver, Colorado, impactcenter.com. This is Paul George Show.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. More from our guest, Jim Beckman. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. I got Jim Beckman from Denver, Colorado, impactcenter.com. Um, we're having a fascinating conversation just about what God's doing. Your conversion story, Jim, and um, and then you know you get into the full-time ministry work. So thanks for being on today. Yeah, absolutely. It's great being with you. Yeah, so I want to dive deeper. Uh, so those who are listening and maybe just tuning in, tuning in um, I'm kind of talking about, uh, you know, what what does it mean to really live our life for Christ and be a disciple and and to be a missionary? And we'll get deeper into that conversation, Jim. In all your years of doing um, ministry work, has, has God ever just done something really kind of out of the ordinary? Oh yeah, man. I mean, many times. I I think probably one of the most extreme experiences I've ever had was I, I had been down and. Uh, I was living in Pittsburgh at the time I was working for Franciscan university and was down in Dallas for, uh, for a conference that I was speaking at. And I was very tired getting on the plane, trying to fly back home. Right. And I, I just wanted to get on the plane and, uh, be, be alone you know, and, right. and, and sleep. And the guy next to me kept talking to me and asked me questions and, I was getting really annoyed with him. You know, I was given all those nonverbal cues, you know, like right. opening up the magazine and turning, shifting myself, you know, to hold the magazine up towards him. And, right. Um, but the guy just kept, what do you do? And uh, kept <laughs> telling me about his, his uh, computer software business or whatever. And so I, I was sitting there in that moment. I, I, I remember having this choice that I had to make, like, am I, am I going to engage in conversation with this person or not? And, uh, and I muttered up this prayer to the Lord, like, okay, if, if I'm going to do this, then I need it to, to be worth something. So you, you've got to give me something to work with here so that the conversation very quickly goes into evangelization because I'm not wasting time here. Right. Uh, so, so that was this kind of muttered up prayer, you know, it's like, I, so I put the magazine down and I turn and look at the guy for the first time now in about 15 minutes. Right. Um, and on his forehead were written the words uh, adultery, like big, thick black letters, like somebody had drawn it on there with a Sharpie marker. <laughs> wow. And, and I was just like, what in the world? You know, so I looked down and I was just completely uh, stunned, you know. And, and my, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, who in the world would ever write something like that on their head? <laughs> So I turn and look at, I look at him again and, and now the word is divorce. Whoa. And then I was like, okay, okay. Uh, that word isn't actually written there. You know, it's so like, it took me, it just took me a couple of minutes to right. react, uh, that God, God was showing me something, you know? And so then I'm like, wow, you know, could you be any more subtle? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and exactly. I, I almost felt like the Lord, I hope I almost felt like the Lord was saying to me, he's like, you said you wanted the conversation to go very quickly. <laughs> And so, and, and so, like I said, you know, like that's one of those extreme experiences. So, um, did you say that, something yeah. to him? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, we 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 talked about computer software, you know, for the next right. five, yeah. five, ten minutes, you know. But at some point, I just said, uh, I mean, how, how do you transition into this? You know, so right. I, I just said, uh, you know, like I don't understand why, but I've seen the word adultery and divorce written across your forehead over the last 10 minutes as we've been talking. And I said, I don't know what that's about. 
but I'm sure you do. And I, I mean, it was like I punched this guy in the stomach, you know, hmm. and he puts his head down for a long time. He's very quiet and he ends up, you know, opening up and sharing with me that he lives in Pittsburgh and was with his, uh, you know, the woman that he's cheating uh, with on his wife uh, is in Dallas and he had just spent the weekend with her and then, and then he, you know, broke down crying and talked about how he has two kids. And, uh, if his wife ever found out his marriage would be over. And wow. I mean, so we, we, we literally talked the entire flight back to Pittsburgh and, and we're in this deep, deep, deep conversation, you know, and at, at one point I, I feel a hand on my shoulder and I look up and it's, it's the stewardess. And she says, we, we need you guys to get off the plane. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, and I look up and there's nobody on the plane. Like we, we had been in such a deep conversation that we talked through the landing, through the entire, uh, you know, everyone, uh, offboarding and, and, and even some of the cleanup, you know, like, and we were just still sitting there locked in wow. the conversation. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, it was very, very powerful. I ended up praying with him. Uh, he, he ended up going back and I, you know, it took, it took a couple of months to help him process things with his wife, but he, he admitted to his wife that he'd been cheating and they went through, they got some help and some counseling and uh, he wasn't Catholic, but I got him connected with a, a pastor in the Pittsburgh area that I knew through my work at Steubenville. And, wow. You know, it, it, it was a, uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't been in touch with him since, since then, but it was, it was a very powerful moment of evangelization. Wow. Right. And that's crazy just to think of what I could do. And, you know, the fact that you were open, if you wouldn't have been, and that conversation would have never happen, and maybe God wouldn't have intervened uh, in that point in his life. But, you know, I think people who are hearing the story, I'm talking with Jim Beckman from Denver, Colorado, uh, impactcenter.com, um, who hear that story, like, man, that can never happen in my life. And and certainly you say that that is an extreme. And, and you know, I've been knowing you for years. You're a normal person. So this is an extreme. It's not something that just happens every day in your life or in the life of people. But I think it is it does point to the fact that God can work and move and wants to work and move in our lives. And for us as baptized Catholics and Christians, we're called to be missionaries and to be disciples of Christ. How would you ultimately, if you could define what a disciple is, Jim? Yeah. Well, and I think the other side of of what you're saying that I just want to capture briefly is Mm -hmm. those gifts, like a gift like that is, is the Holy Spirit. It's not me. Right. And this is, I think, one of the big things that's really misunderstood about, about this kind of activity. Like many people, even people who have had experiences with gifts like this, there, there's, a, there's a common way of thinking out there that that's my gift. Uh, you know, like I, I have this gift that I, I can now see things like this, and uh, that's my gift, but it's not your gift. Which that, that's just it's the, it's the wrong way of looking at it, right? right? I've never ha- I've never had an experience like that ever since then, right? Uh, that was what the Holy Spirit did in that moment, hmm. uh, and used used me as a human vessel. But it didn't it didn't depend upon me other other than my receptivity and my willingness to cooperate. The the, the these gifts these charisms of the Spirit are actually given for the sake of mission. They're they're given for the sake of evangelization and for building up God's kingdom. You're, you're asking the question, like, well, what does it mean to really be a disciple? Well, I, I think the best working definition of, mm-hmm. of that would be 
in, in the general directory for catechesis in paragraph 53, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say this exactly because I'm doing this off my head, but the, the, the whole paragraph talks about what, what it looks like for someone to have an encounter with Christ and come into a, a, a conversion of heart. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it goes on to say that this demands a permanent commitment to think like him, to act like him, to judge like him, mm-hmm. to live like him. Uh, that, that, I think that's at the heart of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, and, and like you said, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, only those people in full-time ministry or only those people who are called to be priests. This is every single person who decides to follow Christ. You, you, you want to pattern your life after him and, and become like him. You start, you start living like him. You start doing the kinds of things that he did. And, And I think your heart starts beating more and more with his love for other people that you encounter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think for a lot of people, and I know you and I experience this, and, and this is the challenge as, as a disciple, as a baptized Christian, is you know, we come to this conversion of heart and faith, and, and maybe we go back to Mass and start praying and reading Scripture. Um, but the, the thing that I, I see lacking the most, and I think is the hardest at times, is more of the, the evangelization part of what it means to follow Christ. So, so mm-hmm. the faith is, no, is not just mine and it's private, but to actually begin to share it and go out into the world. And I think that kind of freaks people out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Sh- Sherry Waddell, if, if you are familiar with her, she has this great quote where she says, you know, we, we live in a don't ask, don't tell culture mm-hmm. in, 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 a, in America in particular. And it's just so true. I think every, everyone's so you know, culturally, culturally sensitive to being tolerant and not imposing their beliefs on other people that they, they, they really have bought into the cultural mindset of, well, I can't really share about my faith because that's going to make people uncomfortable. But we, we, we're not really realizing that every day around us, people are, are sharing their belief system with us every second of the day, Hmm. you know, uh, everything from commercials to music to media media stuff and movies and TV shows we're just inundated with people's belief systems yeah absolutely uh, but somehow 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 Christians are scared to death to share theirs you know so what you know we have about a minute left so what's one piece of advice that you could give to us as disciples that we could do to to really share our faith with other people well i i, I mean in 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 a minute uh there, there's a great image, I think, in the Gospel of John, where in the opening uh, chapter, you have the prologue. Very end of the prologue, it talks about how Jesus, no, no one knows the Father except the Son. Mm. And, and, and the Son is in the bosom of the Father, and he makes him known. Mm. And then, you know, a number of chapters later, you have the Last Supper, and Jesus is sharing about how someone's going to betray him, and Peter says, ask him who it is. You know, Peter says to John, ask him who it is. John leans back his head on Jesus's chest to ask him that question. All right, stop right there. Stop right there, Jim. Uh, We're going to come back. I want to hear the rest of that story. It's the Paul George Show. Be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Closing thoughts from our guest, Jim Beckman. Welcome back to the show. Talking to Jim Beckman and uh, uh, ImpactCenter.com. Jim, we were in the middle of this conversation. You kind of had me enthralled. And so you're in the Gospel of John. And I was asking you the conversation uh, about being a disciple and what is it that we can do uh, to share our faith with others. And and you had us kind of captured in, in this in the Gospel of John. Yeah, so I was just making this connection between the, the first chapter of John and John chapter 13, because it, it's, it's very pivotal. If, if you could read the scriptures in Greek, you, you'd catch the connection pretty quickly, because in chapter 1, when it says Jesus is in the bosom of the Father, the word for bosom is kolpas, K-O-L-P-A-S. Well, interestingly, in chapter 13, when John leans back and puts his head on the chest of Jesus, the word for chest is kolpas. So in, in, the, in the Greek, the, the connection is you know, unmistakable because it's the same word, right? Gotcha. Okay. Um, bosom, chest. And so I, I just think it's fascinating. It's a, it's a great exhortation to us as disciples. Jesus is at the chest of the Father, and you, you you just think as a dad, like all these images of having your children lay on your chest, holding your kids to your chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my, my 20 year old was just home for Thanksgiving and there was a moment during the weekend where I reached up and hugged him and pulled his head down to my chest. Like there, there, there's a very intimate reality and in, in, in relationship to that kind of mm-hmm. connection, right? Jesus is at the chest of the father and that's how he makes the father known. Well, here's John in chapter 13 now at the chest of Jesus, the beloved disciple, you know, resting on the chest of our Lord, and he makes him known, hmm. right? right. Uh, it's just a great, it's a great image for us, you know, like, uh, how, do we, how do we make Jesus known? Well, get into intimate relationship with him, you know, rest on his chest, right. uh, hear, his, hear his heartbeat, hmm. and under, understand what moves him and what drives him. And, and then start to pattern your life after his. Wow. Man. All right. I'm, I'm going to pray. <laughs> I'm going to be in that image for a while. That's good. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. This is awesome. Uh, you can find out more uh, what Jim's doing, his ministry at impactcenter.com, doing great work there of training uh, and empowering ministers to do the work of the gospel. So, Jim, thanks again, man. Yeah, great being with you, Paul. All right, bro. Have a good one. You too. God bless you. <laughs> oh, man, what a fascinating uh, show it's been, an interview. Uh, and that music, obviously, Casey, indicates that uh, six-pack of questions. You're alive over there? <laughs> I am. Dude, man, that guy is intense. Yes. Jim Beckman. Yeah, Jim Beckman, impactcenter.com. Does great work all around the country training people to be evangelists and disciples. Okay, so that's what he does. I, I kind of missed that. Yeah, he ministers to ministers now, but he was a long-time like, youth and young adult minister and speaker around the country. So so here's, here's the thing, okay? Um, Hall of Fame. Okay, say Football Hall of Fame. Okay. You know when they say someone's a first ballot Hall of Famer, which means that there's no question that oh. when they retire, they're going to get voted in the first time. That That's what right. they call a first time, you know, ballot Hall of Famer, where other people, it might take years to get voted in, right? 
Okay, so if there was a Hall of Fame for like lay ministers in the church, okay, he would be a first ballot. Boom, Jim Beckman would be in there. Would you be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Hall of Shame. <laughs> I'd be in the Hall of Shame. What kind of coats would y'all wear for that? Coats? Uh, just have like a lay version of vestments. Anyway. It would be a, a t-shirt. A t-shirt. It's <laughs> about right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we got a six pack of questions. And this is inspired by this Brew City Catholic mug that you got. Right. You're welcome. Or, I call it a mug, but beer drinking. It's a beer glass. Beer glass. Wonderful. So yeah. here we go. Six pack. So the due to the aforementioned beer glass, my first question to you, sir, uh-huh. is what's your favorite beer? Favorite beer? Right. I mean, I would be fascinated if we could get a beer company to sponsor this segment. <laughs> and then it would be whoever that is. It would be whoever it is. Whoever it is. Uh, I, I don't know if I have like an actually favorite brand as much as a type of beer. Which is? So I like a dark beer. Okay. So if you would go, I would go dark to light. Some people would go light to dark. Okay. So I would go like a Guinness, like a mm-hmm. Porter. Um, you know, for me, like one beer is great. So I like a dark you know, beer. And then I would go up to like, like an Amber or something like that. So yeah. yeah. I'm kind of a happy medium when it comes to that. So anyway, so Jim said that the other ministers around him call him Yoda, which right. I thought was pretty funny. Right. right? So I want to know what, what do you think other Catholic ministers call you? That would be a great question. I have no idea. I really don't. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the younger people would call me, you know, because now, you know, I'm, I'm older, you know, uh, or what the older people would call me. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle. I, I think I'm just, there's for, older people than you. Yeah. Jim's older than me. What? Yeah. Crazy yeah. Yeah. Talk. So you're like the Han Solo. Just, the yeah. If he's the Yoda, from he, the hip. if he's the Yoda, I don't know if I'm Han Solo, maybe, um, I don't know, man. I'm so, I, I forget characters names, but, uh, Luke Skywalker. Not quite. We'll, we'll have to call your friend, Father Bryce Sibley, and ask him which Star Wars character you'd be. Yeah. So uh, Jim talked a lot about a lot of things, but particularly uh, in the first segment about healing. Right. About how his father was healing. Mm-hmm. So I want to know if you had any stories as well of witnessing a healing in your own life. Yeah. I, I had a few. Uh, I had a personal healing, actually. Um, I broke my arm, and it was healed in a week. Really? Yeah. Someone prayed, prayed for it. It was weird. I don't know if it was healing or if I just drank a lot of milk. Maybe a little bit of both. You know, calcium took over. Uh, but I actually saw um, a group of people pray for a woman in a wheelchair who couldn't walk. And um, she got up out of the wheelchair and walked around the room, and I about had a heart attack. Hmm. Um, and That'd be something. One person gets healed, another person has a heart attack. So they heal that person, and then it's just a cycle. Well, I actually did see a sad story on the news this week where um, a husband was given CPR to his wife, and he died given CPR. That's not funny, Paul. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. I'm just saying. You'd be laughing a lot. It ties into what you were saying. Like somebody got healed, someone had a heart attack. <laughs> So anyway, this woman gets up out of the wheelchair, and uh, yeah, I was baffled. And sort of like what Jim was saying with his dad being healed, it was kind of like you're you're in shock. 
And then you realize that this is certainly out of the ordinary. It's not something that God does all the time. But when you see something like that, you're definitely convinced that God's big and God moves. So, yeah. Yeah, anyway. And so we have a, a lot of questions in, in a short segment this time, so we'll have to move through them. Uh, he talked a lot about calling, like he had this particular calling on his own life mm-hmm. to be a lay minister. And I, I want to ask you, what do you, what does that look like? Right. Because, I mean, I'm definitely not sure in my own life what calling looks like. How could you sum that up quickly? Well, I think you're, you know, you have a vocational calling, you know, outside of your primary vocation of marriage, but mm-hmm. but uh, like the work that you do here. Like, there, I think God puts something on our heart and kind of presses buttons of where we can make an impact in the world. I mean, I think if we're just live on this planet to simply work and die, that's, that's, that's a bad feeling and nothing wrong with working and, and nothing, and we're all going to die. But I think in between that, God does want us to make an impact on the world. doesn't mean we have to be full-time uh, evangelists, but certainly there are people in our circles, there, there are passions we have on our heart. And I think God presses those buttons to say, can can you do that for me? Can you make an impact for me? Can you talk to people? You know, so everybody's got different gifts, and I think that we can use those um, to to impact the world. And I think that's the calling when we give our life to God. I think God kind of you know pushes our conscience a little bit to do something. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, he also talked about uh, other miracles outside of just healing, which is weird to think about because we don't tend to think of miracles, we, we tend to think of healing. So right. um, what, not even necessarily your experiences, but what are your thoughts on those miracles outside of just physical healing? Yeah, I, I don't know. I like what? Like, what, give me an example. Like the story with adultery written on the guy's oh, forehead, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, well, I heard of a story, you know, this woman was talking to a, a Muslim guy. And, you know, he, he was saying, we have the same God. And she kept saying, well, we, we actually don't. And she started to think, you know, the only thing different about my God and his God that's different is that my God's alive through the Holy Spirit. We believe that. I mean, this is why we have the Eucharist. This is why we have the sacraments. I mean, God's alive. Jesus is alive. The sacraments are real uh, because the Holy Spirit is active. So she says, the only way I'll know is if the Holy Spirit, that he'll be convinced that my God's alive if I have a word for him. So she prays. She said, God, give me a word for this man because he is not convinced that my God's alive. And immediately she heard this word, uh, he has he has something wrong with his leg or something, I can't remember exactly. And she says, I don't know your God, but my God tells you tells me that there's something wrong with your knee. It was something specific. And he, and he looked at her, he goes, how'd you know that? And he goes, I have cancer in my knee. And the conversation switched completely because all of a sudden there was this idea that God's alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hear stories like that often. Yeah. Well, the, the last question slash talking point, um, we have just a few minutes here, I mean a few seconds, so I want you to close out talking about that last image that he gave us of John being in the bosom of Christ. Well, I think that's our posture of prayer, Casey, is that when we're in relationship with God, when we're, 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 we're caught in his embrace, that's where we find our purpose and our passion. And so our calling is to first and foremost spend our time in prayer uh, in the sacraments so that we can be caught in the embrace of God. So great show today. Thanks for, for being here. You can find the show on paulgeorge.la or on iTunes if you missed the interview with Jim Beckman. Thanks again for listening. This is the Paul George Show. God bless.